0: The Cult Worthy Podcast. Join me, Antonio Palacios, each week as I guide you through a never-ending sea of obscure cinema and cult-worthy gems that deserve a rediscovery. Find me on all listening platforms and at thecultworthy.com. The Cultworthy Podcast. Join us. Attention. The Milf & Me Podcast contains strong language and open conversations about sexuality, a multitude of lifestyles, and occasional criticism of political fuckery. Keep politics out of your pants, folks. Your hosts Antonio and Diana are not certified relationship therapists. We are cynical assholes with microphones, pretty much like every other podcast. And so, with that out of the way, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Milf and Me podcast. My name is Antonio here with my lovely co-host Diana. Diana, welcome back. Hello. We've just had a string of great guests. We had Stephanie for two episodes. We had Mikey before that. We've got some fun guests coming up, Mm -hmm. but the next couple episodes are just you and me doing what we do. That's exciting. It's nice to have just a break where it's just you and me, right?
1: Yes, but I love Steph. I love Mikey. They're so great, and
0: we'll have them back again for sure. And the the list of guests that we're going to have eventually keep on growing. Are we like
1: are we lined up to have like a stripper or something on?
0: Yeah, we got potentially a stripper coming on. We have a sex podcast host coming on locally yeah and then maybe some local comedians we're still working on that one too so
1: love me a good local comedian or a few (laughs) i mean (laughs) we don't need to get into that we don't
0: need to say any names or anything but
1: that is the way to my heart you know that is through laughing yeah
0: yeah love
1: comedians that's
0: why we are such good friends i make you laugh all the time
1: um more like the other way around but it's fine
0: shut the fuck up Um, you know, I usually hate when podcasts have just useless banter before they get to like the meat mm-hmm. of the episode. But I've got some useless banter really fast because I've been salty lately, haven't I?
1: <laughs> a little bit. Like, I've been, I don't know. I like, I like the side of you, though. It's like it, we're getting rid of a little bit of the simp side and we're going salty.
0: Oh, this is 100% true. I don't know if it's since I turned 42. Oh, I had a birthday in between the last recording sessions. So
1: (gasps) Happy birthday. We don't have the rights to that. (laughs) Damn it.
0: Yeah, so I'm 42 now, and I don't know if it just happened by turning 42, but I've just grown a lot less patience with people's bullshit. Yeah. And I got a fun one for you. I got a fun one for you. Oh, shit. Here we go. So someone mentioned to me the other day that I am a boring dresser. (laughs) They're like, what happened to you in your life now that you just wear hoodies and black pants all the time? No color, no exciting clothes like you used to wear.
1: Say it matches my soul.
0: Kind of, right? (laughs) You know, maybe I'm going goth in my 40s. I don't know. The explanation is, is like, hey. I work in the culinary industry. I wear a chef coat to work. I give a fuck about fashion. I don't have to. That's the glory. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, I would never want to work a job with a uniform. I'm like, that's my dream job. Yeah, I don't have to pick out like an outfit for each and every day and feel like I'm like wearing through my wardrobe. Totally. But I've gotten that way at home now too, where it's just like, you know what? I don't want to have to color coordinate anymore. So if it's like a black or a blue hoodie and pants, that's it.
1: That's how I'm dressing. I mean, I show up in joggers every time I'm here. I mean, I'm in joggers nonstop at home. I'm all I'm all about comfort these days. I think that's an age thing.
0: Well, you know, and we had a conversation before we started recording that I think is very pertinent to this this conversation. We're almost out of fucks.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Like you're giving so many fucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep, I am. I am literally freshly out of fucks for sure.
0: Like there's something that I I heard scientifically that you women are born with all of the eggs that you will ever have in your life. Like they are all in your body when you're born. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same with fucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Minor, minor, definitely coming to an end. I mean, honestly, our conversation before we started this was why, why are we giving a fuck about certain things? I
0: don't
1: have time for that. I have other things I have to worry about building a business, being a mom, just being a fucking rock star and just killing it, right? Like juggling. You have to learn how to juggle all this shit. I don't have time to give fucks about most things.
0: Right. Like we don't have a meter. We don't have like a fucking gauge of how many fucks we have. Right. But subconsciously, I think our body and our, our psyche knows that we're getting low on fucks. Yep. And so it makes us care more about the ones that we have left in yes. our like yes I, I maybe i'm using so many that by age 60 i won't have any
1: i think that's kind of how it works how many 60 year olds do you know that have a lot of fucks to give oh,
0: i i don't know them personally but when i see them in the store or at the mall I or you don't on the give street, a shit you can
1: tell right they're just oh, like oh eh. it's
0: beautiful i'm yeah. like you know, 20-year-old me would have talked mad shit about you. Now 42-year-old yeah. me can't wait right? to be you.
1: And we respect them so much more cuz they're just like they don't really they don't care how they look when they go to the store. They don't care what they do. They don't care. They just don't give a shit.
0: And this is something too. I in my last 2 years doing the podcasting and being a little bit more involved in the film and podcasting community. You kind of have to get rid of some of your fucks in order to do this. You know, mm-hmm. you're being very exposed. You're exposing yourself emotionally and oh yeah, intellectually to people.
1: And people can reach out to you and say whatever they want, too.
0: You know what? I have so much respect for the nerd community that I used to kind of like turn my nose up at. Yeah. When I see a dude wearing cargo shorts and a Superman T-shirt and Crocs at the Walmart. Yeah. I'm like, buddy, you've got shit figured out.
1: I know. I used to make fun of those guys too, but I'm just like, ah, it's a Utah thing. You see it everywhere and you know what? It's
0: not a Utah thing. It's an everywhere thing. And it kind of goes back to- You you think cargo
1: shorts are everywhere, huh? You don't think that's a Utah thing?
0: uh, No. Mm. They're made in China. So they get sold worldwide.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like I see them so much here compared to other places. Whenever I go, when I go, if I can go places- I don't see a lot of cargos and Crocs.
0: Well, you're not looking hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But, you know, then that kind of goes back to the whole idea of attraction. When you're younger, you're attracted to shiny things, to pretty things, to mm-hmm. well-built things. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, you whether it's a sociological thing or a personal preference, you find yourself a little bit more open to what you're attracted to or what you see yourself being involved with, whether it's a man whether it's a woman, whether it's a car, you know, there's points in my life where it's like, I really wanted a nice car. Now I just want something to go from A to B. Yeah, like it, yeah. it, everyone's a little bit different. Everyone mm-hmm. kind of changes their dynamic, but there are things I think that you cannot avoid when it comes to attraction. Mm-hmm. What do you know about pheromones? Mm, I know they exist. So the thing has always been love at first sight right you Mm -hmm. Shakespeare wrote about it you've heard about it in mythology and legend and lore of love at first sight Yep. but when you break it down scientifically a lot of people intellectual people Mm. say that it's not love at first sight as much as it is love at first smell
1: really is that a thing
0: this is what we're talking about today Okay. You know, we were talking about that song, I Smell Sex and Candy.
1: I smell sex and candy.
0: We don't have the rights to that.
1: (laughs) Who sings that song anyway?
0: Uh, Oh, Marcy Playground.
1: Oh shit. I think that it's was, the
0: only song that they had. And that
1: was good. That was good and quick. <laughs> I'm impressed.
0: Now, this is something that I never really think about because whenever I hear about pheromones, I always think about it with animals, the animal kingdom, nature. Yeah. We often forget that we really are just animals. We are animals. We're hairless monkeys that drive cars, you yep. know. That's that's really when you break it down that's what we are. So, there is a science called osmology. Mm. And that is the science of smell. So scientists in osmology determined that individuals in the same species are attracted to each other through chemical messengers. These chemicals, called pheromones, stimulate sexual arousal, desire, hormone levels, and even fertility when released. Wow. So you've always heard like the little rumors and little things about like when a group of women live together, their cycles all line up.
1: Totally. It's true. It's weird.
0: A lot of ton of times I've heard that story, I thought it was like a psychological thing, you know, like yeah. you you guys all get moody together, you're all having fun together, you're all happy together. I don't know why it surprised me when it's actually based on pheromones as yeah. let's say if there's an alpha female in the house, and the rest of them are kind of like following her her patterns, her psychology. It goes even deeper where they start physiologically syncing up with the alpha.
1: Isn't that incredible?
0: So there is a thing like, okay, when you have like sorority houses or if you have houses that are full of girls, even like in the summertime with girls camp, I've heard stories about that.
1: Uh Uh-huh, yeah.
0: It's all linked to pheromones.
1: That's so fascinating, isn't it?
0: Are you and I just like stupid? Like, we don't like think about stuff like this? Or are we just so busy that I we don't mean, have the time to think about this? <laughs>
1: I just, I really haven't had a chance to stop and really put any thought into it. Quite honestly, I do know that though. I mean, I lived in an apartment with three other women when I was 18 and it was true. I mean, we got our cycles linked up after a couple of months. It was the wildest shit and I could never, I never really understood why, but hello.
0: I mean, but with males, it's different because they say with males, we are really set in that. It's a true thing the alpha mentality. Yeah. Usually, when the alpha is getting laid more often or being more physically intimidating and has more prowess, Mm -hmm. the betas become more beta. They become less dominant, less physical. When you think about it, if you've ever gone out and you've seen like a group of guys, or if you've gone out on group dates and there's the one dude that kind of makes all the decisions and makes All of the plans, and everyone wants to be with them. Yep. You've dated some of these guys. I sure have. All the rest of their little bitch boys fall in fucking line. Yeah, they do. But on their own, they're in charge. They're the alpha. But when they're in the group, (gasps) yeah, they fall in line. Isn't that weird? It's so weird. We like to think that it is mental, but Osmology says... It's pheromones. <laughs>
1: wow, that is so fascinating. And you know, this is a this is a tricky subject, I think, for me because I am very very sensitive to smells.
0: We've talked about this,
1: you know, and I can get turned off real fucking fast if it's not like a good smell. <laughs> so, so, and it could be the sexiest guy. I could be totally into him, but if the smell is off, I'm just like, "Okay, well, it's we should we should be friends. Let's be friends forever.
0: I'm so glad we're talking about this because it works both ways. So it says that women are highly sensitive to male pheromones, particularly around ovulation. But many popular assumptions about the effects of these pheromones are the result of misinterpretation and oversimplification of research results. So my question for you is, have you ever like met a group of guys and like there is the most attractive looking one, the one that you would normally be drawn to? But by the end of the night, you're actually more connected with someone else.
1: Absolutely.
0: Do you think that it might be a subconscious physiological did, thing? Like I didn't pheromones?
1: really think about it, but yeah, very well could be.
0: You know, we always say like, okay, if a guy's funny, he makes a woman laugh. Yeah, yeah. They can often like, even an even a, a unattractive guy, can right, get right. the girl if he's funny and has like a good personality. Yeah. I would love to think that personality has a lot to do with it, but maybe pheromones has something to do with it as well.
1: Yep, totally. And I mean, it could be pheromones, but for me, I'm just such an energy person, but pheromones could very much play a huge part in energy too.
0: And it makes me wonder like what the progression is. Like maybe the initial attraction could be a personality or laugh or looks. It could be anything. Yeah. The initial attraction could be superficial like that. Right, yeah. But the sustainability in the long term of the relationship or whether it actually goes anywhere could actually be more physiological in the sense of pheromones than we might think. They conducted a research where they revealed that human females preferred the musk of sweaty t-shirts worn by men with suitable jeans for their body types. So they say that you are thinking and being attracted to men based on the compatibility of yourselves genetically, something that your mind doesn't even process at that point, it's like a preternatural thing where it's actually your DNA. Yeah, It is the chemistry of your body that is either saying this is a guy that you could be compatible with, aka procreate with, and have successful offspring with, or this is a guy that you shouldn't even waste your time and your energy or your calories on because you will not be compatible in a physiological way. Because he
1: doesn't shower and you do. I mean, that's so crazy to
0: me. Well, not even that. We're not even talking about like the right. sweaty t-shirt. Right. So I'm going to tell you a story because it works both ways. Okay. I always thought that I was just sensitive to smell like you are. Yep. And you ever hear people say like when they went to a family's house, they smell like soup? or they smell like mushrooms, or they smell like cheese. Like there are people who you grew up around, and people are like, yeah, their house smells funny. But then other people are like, no, it doesn't. Yes. Well, guess what? You probably weren't smelling a hygiene thing. You probably weren't smelling a cleanliness of the house thing. Yeah. Your DNA just may not be compatible with that family. So even though you're not thinking about a sexual or procreational relationship with them, your body is naturally instinctively telling you, that you are not physically compatible, therefore probably not emotionally compatible with this family. Isn't that crazy? It is so crazy. And I'm
1: over here laughing because I just had a flashback. Have you, okay. So I grew up on the West side of Provo and there's a lot of farms down there, farmers. And I mean, I grew up on a small farm too, but when I was really, really little, we had a dairy farm and we got rid of that. Um, when I, when I was like three or four, anyway, So when I was going through elementary school, I remember this particular kid that I grew up with and I couldn't sit next to him in class because he smelled like a dairy farm because he was a dairy farmer. Right. And it's so funny. Like, how would you explain that? I mean, that is a very distinct scent and smell, a farmer, a dairy farmer. But it really is kind of funny because not a lot of people noticed it. Right. They didn't, it didn't phase them, but I would have to go to my teacher and I was so embarrassed all the time because I was like, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be rude, but I just like, he's super cool. I just can't sit next to him because that's how sensitive my nose and scent was. Like it really made me sick.
0: So to go like on a gen, yeah, to go on a genetic level with males and females, like I was saying before, I've always had a very sensitive olfactory. I uh, pick up scents and smells. Now, they say that that is part of this pheromone thing where your body's giving you clues of who you are sexually compatible with, who you are compatible with procreating. If the scent is strong, you if mean? If the scent is strong. So this is my point. And it so also... I should
1: have married this dairy farmer is what you're saying back no. and forth in
0: fourth and fifth grade. No, no, no. <laughs> just, no because I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, so, here we no, go.
0: No offense to anyone who's listening that might be one of these people. I never thought about it until I started doing the research for this. There have been women in my past where, yeah, we'd hang out and we'd have sex. We'd have a very casual relationship. And I would always find it harder to get into like a more committed relationship with them because they smelled like cat pee. Oh, interesting. And they didn't even have cats. Huh. And there were like three or four of them in my life. And it's always so funny to me to think about it because they always smelled the same. I'm like... How does this one person that I dated 20 years ago yeah, yeah, yeah. have that same cat pee smell that this person does 20 years later? Different ethnicity, different part of the country. Yeah. But how is it the same recognizable smell?
1: What an interesting, you would think it would be something, a different scent than that.
0: That's just the scent that, attra- that hits me. That is a scent I'm instantly turned away from. Huh. There's an explanation for it. It's really weird. They say that men who have very high sensitive olfactories can detect whether or not they have blood type compatibility with a female to prevent stillbirths, birth defects, genetic defects, and ailments without getting a blood test. Because there are, like back in the old days, you'd have to get a blood test before you could marry someone to determine whether or not you were compatible because your child could be deformed mentally challenged, mentally disabled. There are blood types that are not supposed to come together. Now, there's a shot you can take. I think it's called a heparon shot huh. that they test your amnio mm-hmm. and determine if you are compatible and they can fix that in utero. Whoa! Science has fixed that. But in a lot of ways, nature already kind of did that because they would actually have that woman give off a pheromone scent that's only detectable by people who are not genetically compatible So these girls that I always felt bad for, I'm like, I I really like this girl, but she smells like cat pee. I don't think I can do this. It wasn't me being picky. It wasn't psychological. It was fucking biology telling me that I should not procreate with this woman. That is. And that blew ab- my mind.
1: That's absolutely incredible. I don't. Yeah. It's a lot to wrap your brain around.
0: You're in here every week. And yes, I have a scented candle, but I've never picked up a cat piece <laughs> <of> on you.
1: <laughs> I'd like everybody to know that's listening that this candle is a pineapple scented candle. So we got lots of pineapple things going yes, on in this room. Right
0: next to a little pineapple statue. That <laughs> it's so great. Let's go to the next step. This one is another fascinating one, too. Um, have you ever been on the pill?
1: Yes, actually a uh, funny story. I'm on the pill right now.
0: You're on the pill right now. Yeah. But
1: for like skin stuff.
0: Right. Because you can't have babies.
1: I can't have babies. And also FYI, I don't know if you knew this or not. Fun fact. But birth control pills, usually, um, women will gain weight when they're on the pill. And that's another reason why I'm on it is to help me get my weight back after a very unhealthy relationship where I didn't eat for four months.
0: That's hard to explain to some people who are like, well, wait, you're on the birth control pill.
1: Oh, my God. It's so weird. I know. So it's... You
0: can gain weight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. I know. It's a thing.
0: So this is something that I've actually heard talked about in a few podcasts in the last couple of years. I think it's gaining more popularity. And that is the interaction of the birth control pill and female pheromones. So what they say, because how the pill works is the pill tricks you into thinking that you are pregnant. It, like, uh-huh, right. it, it biologically tricks you to like skip your ovulation period, therefore yep. all these things that you're pregnant. They did a study that was conducted on 2,519 women, and they compared the ratings of relationship quality given by women who had chosen their partners when they were on the pill as opposed to women who had chosen their partners when they were not And what they found is that women who had chosen their partners when they were on the pill reported less sexual attraction to their partners, less sexual arousal in response to their partners, and less sexual adventurousness than women who had chosen their partners without the pill. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. What they've also said is that women who were on the pill were mostly attracted to very strong personalities, alpha types, asshole types manipulators, narcissists, and the reason why they think that is because since their biology was being interfered with and they were not able to use their natural pheromone attraction to the person oh, that was best for them, yeah, they went to their basic instincts of looking for a protector. Oh. Therefore, these alpha dudes, these high-value dudes, these dudes that were buff, these dudes that were very you know ambitious and boisterous and loud... And here's the thing that happened. Once they got off the pill, if they decided to have a child with this man or if they decided to at least start trying to start Mm -hmm. a family, they instantly realized that this guy was a fucking dick and they left. That is incredible. Because now they were realizing that they were being abused or gaslit or all these different things, manipulated. And they wondered, why am I even attracted to this man in the first place? He's not my type. They well, did
1: this study on 2,500 women.
0: And and a lot of people who didn't have the study have come out and said, oh, that totally happened to me. Huh. That's so crazy. So did you have like an attraction to anybody when you were on the pill that you would normally think, I would not date this guy when you were off it? Or is oh, that too long ago?
1: God, I'm going to have to go back, back, back to when I was like on the pill for those reasons. Um. I don't I honestly can't say I remember one way or the other but I can tell you that it does fuck with your sex drive for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I've I haven't been super super sexually aroused if you will ever since I've been on it for the past couple months. Mm-hmm. Um but I j- I think I've just been really lucky at picking douchey men. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're like, you know what? I don't need the pill to pick a douchey man. I can do that fine on my own. Yeah, I
1: don't need that (laughs) shit. I got this.
0: (laughs) And they say it's really even more interesting because, you know, we hear about all these dudes, they get upset that they're left for betas, right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. What if that woman was naturally attracted to that beta once she was off the pill? Like that was the guy she was supposed to be with. But the dude that she was with when she was on the pill was this highly aggressive alpha type mentality who is now even more pissed off about these betas. Yeah. Because they got the girl afterwards. Now what does that sound like? That sounds like all this simp shaming and yeah. simp mentality we've been talking about. Yeah. So here's me putting on the Tim Foyle hat.
1: This is so funny.
0: The birth control was introduced in the 60s, right? Yeah. Now, all of this stuff's gotten really big in like the early 2000s till now about this alpha, beta, simp culture and mentality. Yeah. So who is to say that all of this started in the 60s and has slowly grown as more and more women have gotten on the pill, gotten on birth control, gone after these alpha dudes these high value dudes because that was what they were choosing because they were on the pill and then once they were off they start heading towards these simp dudes and getting away from these alpha dudes therefore creating this high value men matter red pill anti-simp anti-meta mm. mentality
1: whoa mind
0: blown <sighs> now i'm probably wrong but It kinda adds up, you know, the it is kind of crazy.
1: So honestly, not only is it tricking your body to think that you're pregnant, but it's affecting you emotionally.
0: And then I mean, it affects men emotionally. Fucking with your levels. Because they feel like, oh, these fucking women yeah. didn't value me, didn't respect me. yeah. Well, no, they just weren't listening to their natural biology because we've created these chemical blockers to keep them from getting pregnant. It's just weird. I'm not saying any of this is wrong. I'm just saying that there is a lot of weird things that kind of add up if you, if you really mm-hmm. look into it. And maybe I'm looking into it too deep. Like I said, I've been salty lately. You've been salty. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> This is super interesting. I'm intrigued by all of it. It's super fascinating. This the scent pheromones, all of that stuff. I mean, just in my personal experiences, a scent can really make or break a deal for me. You know, like the whole sweaty T-shirt thing. I mean, yeah, that's cute. And they talking about that, but that's not me. You know, like, I'm a very clean person. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to be turned off just because some dude just got done in the yard or working out or something. That's not me. But I am one that's like, okay, listen, you want to fuck around with me? Go take a shower and then let's fuck around, you know?
0: Right. But I I think it goes on a deeper level than that. Like, for example, like, I've been in some really powerful, strong relationships where, like, if someone leaves in the morning, they work before I do, I cuddle their pillow and I smell their pillow because I want to be close to that.
1: Oh, yeah. You know? I think
0: we've all done that. I I think that goes beyond, like, the sweaty t-shirt thing. Yeah. But then I've also been with people where it's like, okay, as soon as you're gone, I'm washing the fucking sheets because it just doesn't smell right.
1: Well, I'm even funny about my own smells, if I'm being honest with you. Like, I... I'm not going to get super, like, spicy, sexy, crazy if I'm not feeling fresh. I'm. It's just who I am. Like, if I'm smelling my own pheromones, if you will, like, <laughs> I'm not about that life. Like, right. I'm going to go take a bubble bath or take a shower. And it's actually kind of interesting because I have been with a couple people and they're like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't want you freshly out of the shower right. or freshly out of the bathtub. I want you like this and it's like but I've been working all day like yeah. I've been sitting at a desk all day long like women women parts are different than dude parts right like I don't want to smell like I don't want to smell like that I don't want your face to smell like that I don't want your body to smell like me but there are men that prefer that over the other which is really really, uh, I'm really not, bizarre to I'm me.
0: not gonna lie I'm one of those men yeah it's <laughs>
1: weird I don't get it I don't understand it because
0: if I have a fair amount of physiological attraction to a woman yeah Uh, I'm all about that. To me, that is what gets me most excited. It's it's weird. And I know, I mean, there are dudes who are like, just like you in the sense of like, we're both going to go shower before we have sex, you know? But I
1: think it's, it's split. It's been split for me, like 50, 50 down the line where some dudes are really into that natural scent. And some dudes are like, no, let's both freshen up for me. I can get more into the moment and do more freaky stuff. when you
0: feel more comfortable.
1: When I'm feeling more comfortable and more clean and fresh and all that good stuff. For sure.
0: Any dudes out there listening? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, I would love to know um, opinions. I mean, I only have a couple people that reach out to me right Mm -hmm. after they listen to our podcast. And... This is a really, like I said, it's super fascinating to me. I'd love to know your thoughts if you don't mind reaching out. Um, Some people might be shy or don't be shy. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to say your name. I'm not going to say your your Instagram handle or your Twitter or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. send us a message and let, you know, this might be my milf worthy challenge. It's just let us know like what you prefer. I would love to know.
0: So we just got done with a Love Guru roulette last week with Stephanie. We went through a whole bunch. I purged a whole bunch and collected a whole lot more. So let's go ahead and play a new one.
2: How can you earn back someone's trust after you've broken it? Well, it really depends on what you did and how it impacted that person. There are certain people who can learn to trust again Even when their trust was absolutely shattered. While other people, they're not able to. Not because they don't want to. But because the wound that was created was just so deep. And they're just not able to move forward with trusting you again. But there are certain things that you can do that at least increase the chances of them starting to trust you again. The first thing is to actively work on yourself. And figuring out not only why you did what you did. Because that's just not enough. But also what you can do in the future to prevent it from happening again. It's important to take full responsibility for your actions. No blame shifting here. And to work towards growing from that. The next thing you can do is practice healthy communication and to come to the understanding and embrace that transparency is really important moving forward. It's very likely this person's going to end up questioning your motive or even your honesty level during times you are in fact being honest. And they're going to do this until their wounds have healed. This isn't a matter of just getting over it. It's a matter of rebuilding trust and healing. Huh.
0: So that was a long one, but I think it's kind of relevant to like the stuff that we were talking about in previous episodes.
1: There's a lot I have to say about this one. I mean, yeah. go
0: ahead, you first. Well, I mean, my my first thing is, you know me. I trust to a fault, mm-hmm. and that's the simp in me. Rah, rah, you know that. Mm-hmm. I I always put my partner on a pedestal. Mm. Always, every partner, even the ones that cheated on me repeatedly. I might have complained and bitched about them to you yep, and several close friends of mine that Mm -hmm. I trust that inner circle. But when it came to people I worked with, when it came to people that were mutual friends of that partner and me, it was fucking status quo because I did not want to paint them as a villain. Mm -hmm. Were they a villain in my opinion? A hundred percent. But the reason why this kind of strikes me a little bit more personal. They knew that they were in the wrong and whatever they had going on with them psychologically, they lived up to the fact that they were a villain. They never tried to shift the blame on me. Like she says, we're not blame shifting here. right? Right. And they were so disappointed in themselves because I kept on trusting them, even though they kept repeating the same behaviors over and over again. Now, eventually that trust ended. There's only so much you can take. If I would have heard something like this back then, I would have wasted a lot less of my time and their time because that whole trust angle really is important. And it's something that you need to start building and working on from moment one of an example where trust is broken. Yep. And that's where I made mistakes before. And I'm trying not to make those mistakes now.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: What do you think? I
1: see that. Um, so she's right. I mean, it depends on how big the thing was that happened, right? Right. That determines how much time or how deep the cut is, how much time it takes to heal without getting into details about when in my life or who I was with or any of those things. I broke trust with somebody after that trust was broken the first time. Uh, mind you, I was in my twenties. Just let's just get that out there. This was twenty plus years ago. I was constantly trying to do everything I could to build the trust back. Okay, and you really have to ask yourself: to the person that broke the trust, and the person that's trying to trust you again, how is the relationship? How strong is it? What's your foundation? What do you have together? Do you have a family together? Do you have kids together? Do you have a house together? or are you just dating what right. is right what is the depth of the relationship is it worth putting the work in to build the trust because i'll tell you right now it is exhausting for being for me being on the other side of this breaking a trust with someone it is so exhausting to try to convince that person that they can trust you again i mean mm. i was at I was at the store late at night picking something up and to prove where I was, I was taking selfies of me in the line at the store and texting it to my person to prove to them, this is where I am. I told you this is where I'm at. Mm. Like, and doing that all the time can be really exhausting. It really can be. Um I'm not saying that it's not worth it. Trust me. Like, that's like a thing you've got to build that trust back. That's your responsibility. Now you broke the trust now work on getting it back. That's important. Right. Right. Um, But that's a serious conversation that you have to have face to face with your person. Like how much work are you willing to put in to trust me again? How much work am I willing to put in for you to trust me again And for me to not break that trust again.
0: And again, like we do not give advice. We are just kind of dissecting how we affect this and how how we are. Our our
1: experiences.
0: Our experiences and how we handle these situations as objectively as we can without saying, no, do what I do. No, we both made enough mistakes to be like, no, you shouldn't do what I do. This is what happened to me. Everyone's got their own story. Where this does get tricky with both men and women. Yes. Is depending on the person with that you're with you are literally sometimes when you're trying to gain trust back you are literally handing control of the entire relationship to them yes and if they are a person that really wants to work on the relationship and build that trust back with you as a mutual thing work on it that's someone that wants to be with you and that someone wants to help you guys make this work but yeah, trust is it
1: trust is a big thing i mean but that's...
0: but if you're with a guy who always wanted a little bit more control or yeah. a little bit more power in the relationship, or a woman, it works both ways, Right, you have now given them an open invitation to guilt you into... Making you let them know where your location is. Take selfies in the grocery store. Right, right. That's true. If they already have that kind of control mechanism in their brain, you are now feeding the monster what it wants.
1: That's exactly right. And that's hard. That's where the fine line sits, right? Because it takes a
0: long time to recognize that. And then again, you've wasted more time on a relationship that really should not have been to begin with.
1: And if the trust is being broken over and over and over again with the same person, you're feeding the monster. Yeah. You're basically saying and handing to them on a silver platter, it is okay if you fuck around behind my back because guess what I'm going to do next week? I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to trust you all over again. And guess what? You can do it again in two weeks. You can do it in a year. I'm still going to be here. No, fuck that. That is the fucks that we need to start giving. That is when you know that you're... Self-love, the way you view yourself when you look in the mirror, isn't the level you should be because you should never, ever, ever have to deal with something like that. If you want to break my trust, if I'm not valuable enough to you, then we are not supposed to be together. Right. If you really have to
0: start like looking into yourself, it's like, am I really going to be monitoring this person's behaviors and actions and locations and their comings and goings? Yes. For the next 40 like, years yeah, of our life. exactly.
1: How much time are you going to put into looking over your shoulder and checking up on your person nonstop? Now, there's another part to this. Essentially, you and I are both speaking about cheating.
0: It doesn't even have to be cheating. But it could am be the idea yeah. of cheating.
1: But what I'm Yes, that's true. But we are talking about that in the trust process.
0: I think in most spots, yeah. But yes. you know, you could also be financially. Also, it could also be someone with a gambling addiction. It could also be someone with a drug addiction. I'm absolutely, not, that's you what know I was my just history. I was with someone who was addicted that I did not know yes. until we were actually yes in a very binding relationship.
1: That's exactly right. So I was just going to say, don't forget that this goes with everything, right. not just cheating. It does go with drugs. It goes with physical abuse. It does. It goes with emotional abuse. All of these things are, are based on trust as well and safety. Like if you aren't, if you don't trust your person, they aren't going to lose their temper or something. You all of a sudden don't feel safe around them. You don't trust them. I mean, it is the same thing as cheating. It's a weird, trust is a, it's an essential in a relationship, it really is. You have, you pour footings for a house when you're building a house. Mm-hmm. Those footings in a relationship, that's trust. Trust and communication. They work hand in hand. And once it's broken, it is very difficult to get back. You can repair a broken foundation. You can repair a broken sidewalk or driveway Yeah. with some time, some money, the right resources, right? It's the same with a relationship.
0: And not even relationship. This happens with parents. Absolutely. This happens with with best friends. Right. You know? Yeah. It blows my mind how many times I've heard guys say, I don't believe that my best friend slept with my girlfriend. Yeah. I do. I bet it happens all the time.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Anyway, I trust you.
1: I trust you. (laughs)
0: So, Diana, do we have a milth-worthy challenge or a milth-worthy product this week?
1: Um, it's a challenge. I kind of brought it up earlier. Just um I would love some feedback on the whole pheromone scents and smells. Like, um, maybe I will do a I think I did this once on an Instagram reel, like a vote. Yeah. Would you prefer a freshly cleaned woman out freshly out of the bath Ooh. or shower? Or would you prefer her? straight from work sitting on her
0: ass for eight hours yeah we'll put that poll out there on Instagram (laughs) and make sure if you're conducting this experiment you're doing it with like your partner or someone close to you don't go sniffing strangers on the street don't
1: go sniffing people's asses (laughs) everywhere that's weird what are you doing the milk in me told me to do this no we didn't (laughs) yeah you smell you smell terrible let me take you to bed now
0: Everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Milf and Me podcast this week. This was like a scientific episode. I kind of feel smarter now.
1: Yeah, it's very scientific.
0: Yeah, sniffing people's <laughs> Oh, boy. Anyway, everyone, thank you for joining us this week. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Milf and Me on all your favorite podcast platforms. We'll be doing merch soon, so keep an eye out for that merch shop to hit our podcast website, themilfandmepod.com. Diana? Yeah. I'll see you next week.
1: See you next week.